0: It's De'Ara. It's Monica. And you are listening to Pass the Mic. This week, we are going to get into some questions, some anxieties, some ideas surrounding post grad, higher education. Hashtag, what the hell are we going to do after we graduate? Um, but first off, we're going to get started with our creative of color. So here we are.
1: Uh, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Cassie Lee. I am a master's student at the Helen Zell Writers Program at University of Michigan. I'm a poet, queer um, woman of color, poet of African descent, and I'm excited to be here today with you all.
0: Thank you so much for coming out. So, um, I love poetry myself, and I do. I write poetry as well, and for me, it functions as like a lot of things, and. Um, I write it for a lot of different reasons but for you what got you into poetry and like why
1: do you write? What got me into poetry was a poetry in schools program that came to my elementary school Um, established poets from the community came in and taught us elementary schoolers about power words and I just fell in love and she gave us tickets to see Maya Angelou and I still remember that day like the full stadium at San Diego State and She told um, her stories about how she was sexually assaulted as a kid and um, she told people from her town and they found the fellow who assaulted her and he was dead so um, she felt her words had killed him so she stopped speaking for years and I still remember that story and the power of words from that day so I just started writing and haven't stopped I guess. I know
0: we're going to hear a couple of your pieces in a bit, but what do you focus on mainly when you're writing?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I'm working on my thesis right now, so that question's really at the forefront of my thought process. I'm thinking a lot about place and voice and how people are connected to certain places, um, not just in a body or a visual way, but through like the voice and hearing and listening and language. Um, I brought actually some translations that I worked on because I lived in China for four years. And a lot of places I've lived have been very multicultural, multilingual. Um, So I'm thinking about places I've been and the ways I've seen the world, like as um, a black woman living in China or living in um, Guatemala or living in San Diego or New York or... What does that mean to have a voice in those spaces and to hear and listen and speak? That's what I'm working on right now. Speaking of voice, would you be so kind to read us something from your works? Sure. So let me read from here. Um, So yeah, I mentioned I lived in China for four years. Um, During that time, I did some research on the, you know, famous African-American poet Langston Hughes. He actually spent some time in Shanghai. So I read his journals from that time period and wrote kind of a poem based on that. Um, And it was published in the Shanghai Literary Review about two years ago. So I'm flipping to that page in the journal. Okay, so, so... couple it's like three sections langston hughes in shanghai one rumored by foreigners in the french concession 67,000 stillborns dissolve in the yangtze river per year sediments laced with babies who find their rest in this city carved by foreigners carving men that interrupt the opium concert the watermelon seller drags his net filled with red-hearted melons through this death-polluted river to give them extra weight to be sold by the pound in Shanghai. These blood-soaked watermelons are the best damn watermelons in the world. 2. At night, the women place spiders on the faces of rented babies and I sneak out of the French concession to the part where the Chinese live The white men said not to, but I found the Chinese treated me better. The white men tell me I'm no longer black here, that I'm an American and better yet, a citizen of the world. They say I'm free, but I still can't find a damn hotel that'll let me stay and restaurants make me use the back door. The white men again have drawn the color line against people in their own country. Three. In a smoky jazz club, I meet the black entertainers that can be found nearly anywhere in the world, dancing as if there's freedom on the stage. The two dancers doing the paso doble are cussing each other out the whole time, and I feel like I'm back in Harlem. On the day before I leave, they make me a meal of southern fried chicken, biscuits, and gravy. As I sit in a rickshaw on the boond, I see another black man, I yell, hey man, and he yells, what you saying, and I never see him again. Thank you so much for that. How long did that piece take you? Oh, um, I guess I don't really write poetry in a way that can be timed, I suppose, so a lot of it's like thinking or notes or going to events, um, so it's not really like a linear process that, you know
0: yeah yeah no i definitely feel that um i guess my last question would be well i have two more first who are some of your favorite writers
1: um i have so many (laughs) um right now i love natasha trethaway i love tracy k smith i love jenny xia she's a younger poet i really like um Evie Shockley, I love her. Yeah, I could go on <laughs> and on. <laughs> I just and love poetry. Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: And then going back off of that, um, what's the poem that is your favorite that you've written? And then like, what space were you in when you wrote that piece? Mm.
1: My favorite poem that I've written that I feel is finished So I still have a few poems I wrote in this program that I quite like that I don't feel like are finished yet because I'm still putting together my thesis. But the poem I liked most before this was this poem called um, thesaurus.com that I wrote. Um, I wrote it in 2015, like uh, right around, sorry, 20, yeah, 2015, right around when um, the Black Lives Matter movement was just starting. And I was living in China when all these um, murders were going on um, by police in my home country here. Um, So I wrote this poem about it that kind of just came out really quickly and I found it really beautiful and um, it was chosen to be made into a short film which was really great by the Visual Poetry Project. So if you have poems I suggest sending it to them because they make films of poems. It's quite nice but yeah, that's. I think that's my favorite poem that I feel like is done and in my past and is finished. Do you want me to read it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this poem is called Thesaurus.com. Claret, maybe? A simple, Kool-Aid, rude hue. Inside, the body of someone who hates me. Outside, a tree mussels out its raw fruits. The gentle arc of the moon laps up the blood, a puddle of which is subject to the same forces as the tidal ebb and flow. The bay window shaves my outer thigh as we make love. The goldfish knows. He doesn't grow jealous. I was charmed by sweet kernels of corn between your gap tooth, the boy with the Dead Sea cosmetics booth, the ripples of a wound. Even if you believe the horizon is a snake with its tail on its own tongue, a kid on my Chrome browser will still be dead. You'll go on trying to overanalyze my texts. I'll go on with my cell phone camera, recording my nephew, killing roaches with raid in order to play it back in reverse. Death happens only once, and then all is rewound. God can make a rusty, revolving chamber like your heart. God can make a military-grade tank on a sunflower-hugged highway that's within his means. God can make pies as wide as July, a silvered token for the misappreciation of your body. He can do whatever he likes except prove that all of us are made in his image. For some reason, he can't do the math on that one. It's just that, well, every cloud has a brutal body bag lining. When we are abstract, we can be so beautiful. But we are concrete. We are gray, draped by the bodies of teenagers killed on their way to their grandma's house. Killed while thinking, will there be any cute girls in technical college? Just some city girls with their tight coils in the dead air of the day room. Thanks. Thank you so much for those
0: pieces. Um, Now we're gonna go into talking about post-grad slash undergrad slash finals season slash what the hell are we gonna do after we graduate? And this is just gonna be a short little chat. Um, We're transitioning from heavier episodes previously. So we're just gonna chat it up and just talk about some of our anxieties get it all out in the air, and maybe we can gain some clarity after this episode. Probably not, but, you know, like, it it's good to talk about. So I guess I'll start with the question. Well, you have already done, did the undergrad thing, but when you were undergrad, did you know what the hell you were going to do after you graduated? Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> and if I thought I did, I didn't do that thing I thought I knew I wanted to do. Um, yeah, when I was an undergrad, I really thought I wanted to get a PhD, so I was doing all this (laughs) stuff, and then I met a lot of graduate students, and they said, don't do it. (laughs) 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 So I kind of decided, I didn't decide anything. I took the GRE, like, my senior year for some reason, just (laughs) to do it, and didn't use it for five years, um... I thought about applying for Fulbright and all these, like, Princeton in Asia, Princeton in America, but you had to apply, like, seven months before graduating, and I didn't know even that far out what I wanted to do. I had just gotten out of a kind of serious relationship. Like, my college girlfriend, we had just broken up, like, right before my senior year. So I was kind of lost... And just, I applied to a bunch of AmeriCorps stuff and didn't get those. I had an internship at, like, an arts nonprofit. Um, thought that could help. And then I got a job. It was, like, a three-month contract in my hometown to teach, like, at a summer bridge program for, like, middle schoolers. And that was all I had lined up by the time I graduated. And I had did. Everything, I had internships, I, you know, really thought I had blind things up, and then it was like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then that experience was great, the Summer Bridge program, I worked at for about three months, and then, like, my last week of that, I was, again, getting kind of depressed, because, not depressed, but I was getting down on myself, I didn't know what I was going to do after that, and then I was online and saw a job in Guatemala, and I had had been to Guatemala for spring break, like sophomore year, and I applied and somehow got that job and then just kept working for five years. And that's kind of what happened like immediately after graduation.
2: So the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Yes. that's just like so wild because i feel like i'm in that situation right now as a senior just like i applied to fulbright like i'm looking at americorps i'm like applying to backup jobs in case i don't get fulbright which i probably won't and like
1: where did you apply for fulbright to
2: um eta for south korea oh cool Um, you'll get that i yeah you'll get that (laughs) i don't know but you got it we believe in you yeah but I guess I'm wondering, like, how, like, so you did your five years in Guatemala, and you I did one
1: year in Guatemala, one year Guatemala, and then four years in China.
2: Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Right. Um, but then how did you find yourself in the MFA program here? Because earlier, before we started recording this episode, Diara and I were talking about just, like, <laughs> <laughs> whether or not an MFA, like, degree is not, I guess, like, not worth it, but, like, uh, what's a better word, phrase for, like, worth it, but, like,
0: I don't know, I think we were talking about the idea of being in these institutions that are like very white Mm -hmm. and as a creative person I'm black and queer so my story is going to be very different from what you're used to seeing and a lot of times I'll run into instances where I'm writing and they'll be like, oh, this doesn't make sense or this this doesn't actually happen. And so I guess we were saying, do we want to go through that in an MFA program as well or have you went through that? I guess that
1: would be the better question to ask. I think all those concerns are 100% valid and perfect thoughts to be having while considering something like doing an MFA. And I do think that, undergraduate workshop experiences will be in some sense close to MFA experiences in when you're thinking about like race or gender or sexuality. I do you think there is more awareness and like kind of not activism, but like inside MFA programs, um, especially like at Michigan, there are, you know, side groups and events, and we bring in people, like, I'm part of something called Writing Aware, which used to be called Writing Race, where we talk about, you know, how do you write about these kind of issues you guys talk about on your podcast, whether in fiction or poetry, how do you um, have a workshop space that is um, generative and open-minded, open-hearted. So, I think those conversations are definitely going on. In graduate MFA programs, I will say... um, I'm really glad I took a very long break because it made me see that there's so much more to the world than academia and, like, these institutions that are almost very specific. Mm-hmm. Like, the these kind of elite institutions like University of Michigan, um, the people are very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even... Yeah, I'm sure you guys experienced yeah. this. And <laughs> from a writing perspective, it's just, you know... Helpful to actually see and experience things that aren't just so narrow Um, just helps build your imagination and your own creativity. So like I mentioned, I had taken the GRE like right before my senior year because I thought I was going to get an MFA in the next two or three years. And then I waited until like the exact uh, admission cycle that my GRE is going to expire. And... It always been on the back burner of my mind. And then I had recently watched this anime called Yuri on Ice that I love. Anyone a fan? Okay. (laughs) Definitely suggest it. But it was kind of about, like, following your dreams and, you know, being an artist. Um, So that kind of motivated me in this weird way. (laughs) That's kind of hard to explain. I was like, okay, you know, maybe that's the next thing for me. So kind of just happened at the time that it happened it wasn't a plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the whole follow your dreams thing I'm
0: so I have another year I transferred here um I have another year until I'm done and I graduate so I guess my question the with in the whole follow your dreams thing is h- how has that been for you how do you think that I think a lot of times as artists we get into this space where we say okay we're gonna do it we love it but then we forget about the practicality of life and so for me like I really want to move to LA once I graduate but practically um (laughs) what is that looking like and so once you had um been in Guatemala and China and you came back and things like that do you still believe in like the live your dream and be an artist type thing
1: that's a big question with a lot of like parts to what I would say to answer from my shoes to where you guys are. I say follow your dreams and do it. A lot of things like practicalities wise, I have so many friends that went into the arts after and, um, you know, you can do it in so many different ways. You can have a full, like when I wrote all these poems that are here, I had a full time job, but like everything I did outside of work was poetry nights edit the lit mag of you know Chinese English translation and just um, find a community of artists Um, all of us had jobs like some of them were in creative fields some people were not in creative fields but um, you can maintain your art practice with a full-time job if you want and then I mean you guys do stuff like podcasting there's so many opportunities and ways to make money and stuff like that so
2: So my question is also kind of related to practicalness, or I don't know if it's quite practicalness, but like MFA programs or any sort of like PhD program or master's program has so many resources, right? And then especially for like an art, like considering art, Um, because I feel like what I have wondered in the past is like, do I want to go the quote unquote traditional route of an MFA program that has so many resources, has so many, has so much money, has the name of like u of m or like Mm -hmm. iowa or uva and like be in these spaces where it's been traditionally like elitist and white male centered like heterosexual centered cis centered or do i want to like go into a different space that doesn't take that path but might have less access to resources um that's my rambling, but if you have any insight on that since you're on at an MFA program now.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know how I would feel had I gone straight to an MFA program from undergrad. That being said, I'm very grateful and do highly recommend living life and moving I mean, if you move to South Korea, or you move to L.A., like those vibrant creative centers that aren't supported by academia, learning how, you know, to build your creative network. Um, that was such a big thing in Beijing, like how I got the movie made for my poem where we were always curating these like experimental arts events and just becoming part of like an artist community that isn't like dependent on academia and learning that you have the power Um to do that in your own life, like create an artistic community for yourself. I think that's really empowering um, for yourself to know, like, yeah, I am capable of like finding an artist community and being a part of it and hustling and making these connections and living this kind of vibrant artistic life that I think is possible outside of academic spaces. And a lot of the universities, like all three you just mentioned, From my standpoint, from where I've lived, those are smaller cities that are a lot less diverse, like Iowa City or Richmond, compared to LA, or I'm not sure if you moved to Seoul. Like, it's just such a diverse place, you know, people from all over the world. Um, And even Ann Arbor, for me, it was, like, so (laughs) jarring to move (laughs) here, because there's just not as many, like, circuits and pathways and... Creative ways of looking at the world That are passing through here Compared to like Beijing Or something like that Um, So The institutional support Perhaps is not as supportive For like deep artistic reasons That like a real artistic organic community Might actually be supportive of like The soul work of art Not just you know Paying the utility bills that (laughs) maybe <laughs> it's super super helpful and amazing and it's great but I think when you're young like you can do that you know mm-hmm. um you can like people are so eager to get to know each other especially young artists so I would recommend that but that's my that's because that's what I did it's hard to know what would have been like you know yeah. had I made other choices
0: mm-hmm. this is the last question but um Within your MFA work, what has been the most rewarding thing?
1: Actually, I would say it's the class I took with Monica. (laughs) Um, With um, so we were in in an arts residential college class together with Sarah Messer, who is such a lovely woman, and um, we seven of us or so we taught um, poetry workshops down at. the washington youth um like kind of drug rehabilitation de- detention like they were incarcerated but it was for drug-related offenses how you would describe that
2: space? yeah it was like a. they called it like a 12-point program so they were getting they they were getting like high school credits yeah. but also getting like therapy and mm-hmm. It was an interesting space to be in.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. So we were,
1: yeah, it was really great um, to be able to teach poetry in a space like that. And that's something like the University of Michigan, like, had I not had that kind of support to do something like that, I don't think that's something I'd been able to do on my own, I guess. Um, but yeah, the MFA itself is this kind of bubbly, busy, interesting i f- sometimes feel like i'm in like a soap opera <laughs> type sort of thing there's just so many people and like things going on and did you hear this this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> feels like a lot but it's fun it's i don't know i love the professors and uh, my cohort is amazing so yeah
2: can you plug yourself yes please
1: plug myself what does mm. that mean tell us <laughs> social
0: media your books Oh. That are up, okay, like that, yeah.
1: I will plug myself so I am only on Twitter and I don't really use it that much but if you can find me Cassie Lee underscore and I have two chapbooks one is called Zambia um, kind of about the history of zombies in the African diaspora and that's from Dancing Girl Press you can find it there and then my other chapbook is from another new calligraphy press and that one's called the period of warring states oh and i have a website cassielee.com thank you so
0: much for coming and chatting with us um next week we'll get back into it with more episodes um stay tuned always remember to like rate and share our podcasts and never forget to pass the mic